Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Horticulture Week podcast. I'm Rachel Forsyth, senior reporter at Hort Week, and this week I'm joined by head gardener at Blenheim Palace, Andy Mills. Hello, Andy. Thank you for coming on here. You're welcome. Good morning. Now, you've been at Blenheim Palace for a year now, so do you feel like you've got to grips with the garden now that you've seen it like through all of those seasons? In a word, no. <laughs> um, I, th- I, you know, a, a place as diverse as Blenheim takes quite a while to get mm. your head around. Um, so, you know, sort of asked me the same question about three to five years okay. I'll be able to answer it a lot I guess the joy of a garden is it keeps you on your feet constantly though right otherwise it wouldn't be well, such an exciting job last year's season was quite extreme compared to this year's so yeah. yes I've seen it in that but I'm now seeing another another year yeah we've had a bit so, of a rubbish summer well it's just been a bit rainy yeah which is nice to be in a gardener I suppose so and then we have had those sunny days in the rain so the plants yep. have probably been loving it yeah, right everything's loving it yeah is that quite challenging though? Is everything kind of going Yeah, but that, that's the beauty of it. You yeah. Know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if it was easy. <laughs> True. <laughs> is there something you wish you could go back to sort of day one you and, and tell you about what you know now about the garden or the job or Blenheim Palace in general? It'd be really nice to go back through 300 years of history and oh, speak yeah. to every single duke mm. and the designers and say, why? when, how, <laughs> and that sort of thing. It'd just be, it'd be fascinating to yeah. find that out. So, um, you know, not one particular day, but if we could go back through that, that'd be amazing. Mm. And you have to, we'll get on to kind of your plans for the gardens uh, in a little bit, because I know mm-hmm. you've done a lot of research as part of that. So I imagine um, it kind of feels like you have, in a way, gone back and spoke to them in, in, in some respects. In, to some degree, yes, mm. to some degree. So... Yeah, speaking of these plans, um, they will be the biggest change the gardens have seen in 100 years. 
Um, and we're going to excuse the pun here, dig into these plans <laughs> on this podcast. But I wonder if you could start by describing the state that the gardens are currently in. What, what made you decide that they need this restoration? So it's the formal gardens as well, I should say. That's the, the kind of bit you're focusing on. Um, I mean, the garden, to say they're in a state is, uh, excuse my um, bluntness, is a little unfair. The gardens mm. are obviously fantastic and, you know, I've come in as a, the next custodian to a, a wonderful, wonderful landscape and a wonderful, wonderful formal garden within that. Um, it just needs some tweaks. It just needed some sort of polishing. Um, it's been described to me that the garden has been an aspic for the last 40 years. Mm. Um, that's perhaps to do with how previous dukes liked it um and it and it is time for a change you know and i'm not the sort of person that i can sit still and mm. just maintain the status quo if something needs to be improved then we're going to get on and improve it and change it and you know bring it up to the the level that it should be at yeah and i guess as much as you want to keep the history of the gardens that gardens do need to change through yep. the years would you agree they've got to evolve you know we've got to look at we've got to look at climate change it's one yeah. of the biggest evolution things we're facing at the moment it's not a new thing it's happened before mm. um, and gardeners have always had to roll with it and evolve with it but you know we, we, we have to look at that and Blenheim is such a, a big sort of influential property mm. um, that you know what we do here hopefully echoes what other people do because um, it always has so that's one of the things we want to try and do just say you did a lot of research on the formal gardens before you kind of un- started undertaking plans I suppose um, what was one of the most surprising things you learned through that research or the most interesting things I'm finding new interesting things all the time mm. um, you know for example down by the you know I knew there was a beautiful cascade down there done by Capability Brown which is absolutely stunning um, and people talked about a rockery and mm. various other bits and bobs and then you know, I'm quite fortunate being head gardener, you can pretty much, you can walk about. You know, yeah. you don't have to run some over the strimmer. You know, I've got, there's, there's a garden team for doing that. <laughs> Although I do get my hands dirty, I must admit, they'll, they'll testify to that. Um, you know, and, and, and going down to the rocker and spending some time on it and all the paths are still there, the rock work's still there, the spinning stone's still there. And you drop down off that and there's an amazing sort of, you know, what we're calling the cascade garden, mm. which had... A fountain in it which still has the basin from the fountain there's little grottos there's there would have been paths it would bridges across onto islands and little summer houses and the more i look at it and then the more i look on the internet and pluck out you know black and white archive photographs mm. of how it would have looked um you know that's just exciting all the time it's just new i know i went down there the other week into say this little sort of subterranean cave as it were mm. which has a spring a, a, a tinkling brook running through it and a, what, what was a pump I think to pump for fresh water up. and look at the ceiling there's two sort of squares in the chim- in the ceiling that look like chimneys mm. and they're not at all they're skylights that have just been filled in over the years and the glass was about an inch thick and I went up on the roof and you know fell some trees and clear it which we will do and the sunlight would have shone straight through these holes which would have illuminated the cavern but over years wow. it's just got covered over mm. and that's just you know amazing yeah, and that's just one little hidden gem. That's have. one little gem. Mm-hmm. There's so many things here. Amazing. And thinking about the, the plans you're going to undertake, 
are you kind of harking back to that? Do you want to recreate with a modern twist or are you looking to kind of just take a little bit of inspiration but kind of run with it in your own way? I think both of those those mm. phrases are correct. I mean, you know, I, I always say, and it's, you know, it's one of the phrases I've used a lot, um, you know, there's one eye on the past and a bigger eye on the future. Okay. You know, we're trying to, we're, you know, the, the idea is to put Blenheim back on the horticultural map. Mm. I mean, it's always been known for the palace, but the garden's largely... It's not. It's not a, not a place you think of. You don't immediately think of this amazing garden. Everyone knows. For example, I say everyone knows. People know the water terrace. People know the Italian garden and the mm. fine formal lawns. Not many people know about the secret garden, mm. the croquet lawn, the the bothy, the you know what was an arboretum. Yeah. You know the dahlia garden that's no longer there. You know so to put those things back and to but then that will have to have a modern twist on it. Mm. You know so because we have to work with. The fact that there's not hundreds of gardeners here anymore. We don't have boundless wealth behind us, yeah. as it were. Um, and we've got quite a few visitors walking around. So yeah. we've got to manage their expectations and work within the fact that the visitors come in at 10, o- 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And we can't be... Yeah, we just have to be careful of what we're, what we're doing. You can't just be dropping trees all over the place with the public walking through because <laughs> they get a bit upset. Yeah, <laughs> and so do health and yeah. safety. Um, so, you know, we, we, we have to manage that. But, you know, my, my aim is to, to leave the garden, shall we say, uh, in, a, in a, a finer state than I've found it mm-hmm. for the next people. And that's what any gardener should want, I think. So, yeah, Absolutely. And talking about doing the modern twist, it's kind of like what we were just saying about climate change. You're going to have yeah. obviously have to think about planting. What's Blenheim Palace's plant heritage like? Do you have a lot of like important species that you, you need to look after? Or is that something you want to actually build up a bit more? Um, I think over the, over the years, there has been an amazing plant collection here. Mm-hmm. But I think also over those years, it's slowly disappeared. Oh, okay. I'm surprised that you know, I walk down, say, past the Rose Garden to the area that's known as the Arboretum or the American Garden. There's very little down there mm. that would, you know, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing trees. Some of the cedars down there are absolutely stunning. Yeah. Some of, I've never seen tree. some of the parotias here are absolute belters. But, you know, there's a lot of trees and, and shrubs down there I'm just not seeing. Mm. And I would expect to see a lot of those exotics. Mm. I mean, the soil's not perfect for rhododendrons and they're acid lovers. But there's there's very little of anything down there. There's, you know, where's the Enchianthus crinodendron? There's no Philadelphus, there's no Decaysnia. You know, a lot of those sort of exciting plants that were coming in, yeah. just not there. And whether they were there and they've died out, mm. or whether they just weren't planted, but, you know, three or four of the Dukes are real horticulturalists. And they were at that time when, you know, plants were the sort of, fashionable thing to have to show off that kind of plant hunter era exactly Mm. and just not there well with your kind of overriding goal in mind let's sort of Again, I'm so sorry, dig into some of the... I, my brain can't think of another way of phrasing it, so we, <laughs> we're do. running with it. It's horticultural. Yeah. Um, some of those details and, and changes that we will see. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest visually change we will see in the gardens? For this year, we've left, and, and this is only a real rough guess at how much it is, we've left about 60 acres of the grass grow long. Oh wow! Which is something I've always been very passionate about. Um, you know, rewilding is the is the big word mm-hmm. at the moment. 
you know, Blenheim's been doing that since 1700s. Um, but subsequent dukes have wanted everywhere cut tight. So, you know, we've we left a lot of the grass grow along. We've seen some amazing orchids coming up. So there are, that is a, that is a big change for the mm. garden, a big change for the public. People have been very used to everywhere being mown as tight as a billiard table. Um, <laughs> I've not heard that phrase before. Like well, that. that's what it looks <laughs> like to me. Yeah, There's well, not a lot of life on it. So that's one of the biggest changes for this year. But going forward, you know, we've, and we've, another change sorry for this year we've put a fence around the secret garden which is okay. very much the duke's private botanical garden um it's been open to the public for ooh, i believe since about the 80s and 90s so the public have always been allowed in there mm. but the deer also get in there and it's like a salad bar oh yeah so we've put a proper deer fence around it this year which makes it a bit more secluded mm. makes it a bit more secret you have to go through big double gates to get in. You can't see in very well. And that was part of what I wanted to do in there, yeah. to really just make that into a secret garden mm. that people feel they're seeing a little bit of, you know, it's a little botanical oasis within yeah. this vast landscape. Um, so that's quite a big change. But then going forward, um, we are going to be working on the hedges in the Italian garden. Mm -hmm. They're all out of scale. Um, they've just got too big now okay. and so we've lost the definition mm. the parterres in the Italian garden designed by and by Achille Duchenne for the ninth Duke and Duchess in the early 1920s um, they, they you stand up above them you stand on the Duke steps Duchess steps you stand in the bow window in the house and it you know for my mind it should resemble a fine Persian carpet mm. swirls and curls and a lot of definition yeah. a lot of a lot of um, detail and all the hedges are pretty much the same height, the same width. So it, it looks like office carpet to me. There isn't that definition is not there. Mm. So we're gonna to have to start reducing the hedges, which is gonna look quite brutal. Yeah. You know, box hedges, we've got to start pruning them back, right. um, cutting them down in some cases by sort of 50%, wow. which is really gonna look very drastic, yeah. like a lot of bare stems. This year we're working on um, getting that vigour back into them, so we're giving them a lot of feed, we're giving them a lot of care and attention, we're not trimming them till much, much later in the mm -hmm. season. Uh, last year they were cut and then they just burn because it was just so warm. So we're getting that sort of life back into them, so they do look a bit, bit shaggy at the moment. Um, so we are going to work on that over the... I mean, that's a 10-year project. Yes, yeah. To get that definition back, because we can't just do it in one go, because it was just such a shock. Um, not only to the plants but also to the visitors as I said their <laughs> expectations so something we're looking at there is is how we're educating people and telling people what we're doing I was going to ask because that is a huge challenge especially at someone like Blenheim where you like you said people expect a certain thing yeah. from Blenheim yeah. talking about that wild uh, I guess, would you call it wildflower yeah. grass areas yeah. what's the reaction been to them so far and, and what do you anticipate them kind of reacting to say the hedges for example and what are you doing around communicating as I guess communication is the key right it is I mean we're doing a lot of um, you know I, there's been a lot of articles that have gone out in the local press and mm. some in the national press and things like podcasts and what have you are out there I've had a few few negative emails from people mm. which to be honest I expected yeah um, and I'd much rather have somebody contact me and say I don't particularly like that why have you done that right yeah because at least we're promoting we're sparking that interest yeah instead of people going and grumbling and moaning about it mm. there's no point you know i mean what's that phrase if, you, if you're if you're happy tell other people if you're not happy tell me 
Yeah. You know, at least I know and I can, I had a conversation with some visitors yesterday who weren't particularly pleased. They come two or three times a week. They don't expect to see Blenheim looking like it does. Mm. But having the conversation explaining, they went away, I'm pretty certain, with a better idea mm. of the direction we're going in. Um, as I said, the garden's been an aspect for 40 years. Yeah. So any change is going to be extreme. Mm. You know, this is the only way we can do it. And, you know, I, I've, you know, I'm not the sort of person that I can just sit for the next 10 years and go, you yeah, know, we could do that. We mm. could do that. Shall we do that? No, if we decide to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no point messing about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, the wall garden we sat there now had, um, when I started, there was one pond in there. The other one had been filled in ooh, 10, 15, 20 years ago okay. for health and safety reasons. Right. The ponds are there to collect the rainwater from the greenhouses from the yard off the buildings. And then that's used for irrigation. Fill the pond in, all that water's wasted. Mm-hmm. So dig the pond out. Yeah. Put a fence around it. Now we've got a pond that's holding water. We've now got two lovely big reservoirs of water in there. Beautiful. Don't particularly need them this year, but um, <laughs> you never know. So yeah. um, things like that. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been some negative. There's been a lot of positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's it's a it's a period of change. It's a period of adjustment mm-hmm. that we're just going to go through. And five years time, we'll be looking at a very different landscape. Absolutely, yeah. So. Delving back into some of those more kind of um, detailed plans, I know you're um, also planting new herbaceous beds yes. uh, that flank the path through Churchill's Walk by the Temple of Diana. I yes. hope I've got that right. Yes. Uh, what types of plants will you be working with? What, what will we expect um, to see? There'll be some lovely big drifts of things like Steeper, uh, Verbena, Chelone. Uh, Hesperis. We've got some really nice Circium to go in there. And mm. nothing, nothing wildly wildly different mm. as it were but what we want what I want in there is big sort of drifts and that's symmetry yeah. so what's on you know is echoed right the way through and you know the inspiration I've taken from that is a sort of big mast planted borders I used to work at Packwood House for the National Trust and there were some big herbaceous borders mm. there and in bold and punchy you know six foot seven foot high plants that sort of thing yeah. through there and the idea being that it gives a different definition to that area instead of it just being you know, a flat path through some uh, fairly close mown grass with a few wildflowers in it. All of a sudden, you know, even just putting the beds there makes people walk along there because yeah. they want to know what's going to go in there um, instead of it just being a cobbled path through some grass, mm. which frankly was quite dull. Yeah. I often hear that those kinds of borders are people's favourite thing about a garden yeah. quite regularly. Yeah. So. And they, they, just, they just have life, yeah. don't they? And yeah. a lot of the plants we're going to put in there are, you know, traditional plants we all have seen yeah. in, you know, our parents' garden, our grandma's garden, that sort of thing. Mm, that's an interesting point. How much do you want visitors to be inspired by what they see here and take it home? Because rewilding, for example, some I mean, there's quite a hot debate about it yeah. and whether it works in the domestic setting. Yeah. Don't know your opinion on that, but... How, yeah, how much are you hoping visitors are going to be like, oh, I could do that in my own garden? I, I'd, I'd, I'd love visitors to come here and be inspired. Mm. I really would. Not many people have got, excuse me, not many people have got 100 odd acres to play with. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, every little bit helps. Mm. Um, and actually, if people go away from here and go, well, we saw that at Blenheim, we'd love to plant that up. 
you know they've used phoenix canary answers in their pots it looked amazing we'd love to do that or you know they left 60 acres go long we can leave that corner of our garden go along and see what comes up my mum has a a small garden um in her back garden mm-hmm. and um for years and years and years um my dad would mow the grass religiously my dad's no longer with us and so my mum's left some of it go long mm-hmm. and i'm sure my dad's up there on his wherever he is going <laughs> oh, I'm going to cut the grass but you know mum, mum's let it go long because she wants to have that bit of nature in the garden yeah. and she's bought into it you know and so that, that's your nature's highways mm-hmm. so but I, you know to have people inspired but also we want people to I want most of the questions we get from visitors to be to the garden team this is I want it to be what's that plant where's yeah. this why are you doing that how can I do that you know I've got this plant in my garden it's not looking very well I see you've got it over there why does yours look so much healthy because we're doing x y and z Um, rather than where's the toilet (laughs) you know that that's the thing yeah raise that horticulturalness that people are are inspired and they want to ask about it Mm. I mean, it's a huge nation of gardeners out there, isn't yeah. there? So yeah. the, the yeah. audience is there for the taking, I suppose. Well, it's a, you know, there's an international community of gardeners, yes. which is huge. Yeah. You know, and a lot of our visitors are from overseas. Mm. You know, we, we meet a lot of people and a lot of them, you know, garden in very different circumstances to us. Yes. So that, you know, if we can grow something here that they can then take home and go, oh, yeah, of course we saw it and we went to Blenheim and that gives them that memory. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So you're also building a new rockery at the yeah. accessible entrance above yeah. the water terraces. So yeah. I'm giving details because I want um, it to be clear where everything is. Um, would you say that rockeries are having a revival? I feel like I'm seeing them more and more in gardens or people are talking about them more and more. I don't know, to be honest. Um, mm. it, it's not something I've ever built. So it's quite an exciting thing to build. I have worked on a rockery before yeah. in one of the gardens I, I worked at. But, you know, there was, there was a rockery here put in by the fifth yeah. duke and then restored by the ninth duchess so the idea is that we restore that one but we also put one at the accessible entrance like you say mm-hmm. and you can see the one from the other so it is that oh, echo okay. yeah so yeah there may well be i mean if you think a lot of those plants that would traditionally go on a rockery would be your alpines yeah so they're like the extremes of heat they're like the extremes of drought mm-hmm. so that's something we can work with as it were um it is going to be quite a bold statement right at the entrance above the water terrace you know it's that it's one of the first things our visitors are going to see Mm. um and so that that is quite a an interesting debate yeah so my grandparents have one in their garden they're always telling me oh we've got to get rid of it it's so old-fashioned and i'm like wait just wait because yeah it's coming back round everything goes round yeah it really does yeah and i said the same to them i was like it's great with the climate change happening um with so many moving parts i know it's a 10-year plan isn't it this this whole um restoration so a lot of moving parts there's got to be a few things that kind of you're a little bit concerned about you're thinking that might be a bit more of a challenge or um yeah that kind of um thing that maybe wakes you up in the middle of the night and you think oh what what is that for you through this project um thankfully i don't i don't think any of it causes many concern okay um i know it sounds very arrogant but you know it's planned and it will work Mm. um and so it's just a process that we'll follow. Um, it may take more than 10 years, okay. but 
I don't think any of this makes me wake up in the middle of the night (laughs) screaming. (laughs) Um, I've been, you know, I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, we've got, A, got a wonderful canvas to work with. Yeah. The most amazing garden. Um, We've got the most amazing, I mean, I I work as part of the most amazing garden team Mm. who are very, very invested. How many? There are 14 of us. Okay, soon to rise to 16 we've got two new people starting soon Um, but they're all you know all of the team are enthused Mm. and then you know outside and we obviously as a garden team are part of the wider estate team and the wider property team and I would say the whole estate has that sort of drive yeah you know to to you know be the best yeah and to improve and change and evolve Mm. and I think that's important that sort of ethos is right there and it's right through everyone Mm which is wonderful that might answer my next question in a little way you can't you have kind of touched upon the vision but i wonder if you could kind of summarize over those 10 years what is the vision what do you see in 10 years time this kind of being or or the change happening here i see blenheim very very firmly established on the world gardening map mm-hmm. you know right there with the likes of dixter and Vola Vicon and Versailles. I mean, this is English Versailles. Yeah. You know, very much that, I mean, you know, a lot of our visitors do come to England, they do, you know, obviously, um, and a lot of them do come to Blenheim, but a lot of people come just for the palace. Yes. And I'd like to see, <laughs> and it is a debate that's, that's running at the moment, I'd like to see it not just Blenheim Palace, I'd like to see Blenheim Palace and Garden ah. on the title because the gardens here are... And I'm biased in this, and I'm sure the house managers will tell me different. You know, the garden is way more important. It's been here longer. Mm. I think, luckily, all of our listeners will probably be on your side it's as fine, well. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, but you yeah. know, but don't get me wrong. The palace is, is wonderful as well. Yeah. Yeah, and the two, the juxtaposition of the two is amazing. Mm. And that's something in ten years' time that will be accentuated and polished. Mm. I guess that's where your experience comes in handy because I do think the National Trust is quite good at linking the garden and the ha- and the property and kind of seeing them as kind of... Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it has to work like that. Yeah. I mean, I've spent quite a few years with the National Trust um, and prior to coming here, I was in a, a, a private charitable trust garden down in Surrey. Mm-hmm. There was no house. Oh, okay. So actually the garden was the, the main Shining focus, mm-hmm. but the location of the house in relation to the garden was also incredibly important mm. so it was about getting those views and getting that polish mm. so um, you know I'm very fortunate yeah definitely so what is the timeline for this it sounds like some of the cogs have started moving already yep what could we expect to see over the coming years um, then certainly what? by this time by this time next year the beds through churches walk will have been planted mm-hmm. um, that's going to take a little while for them to really come to the fore so maybe two to three years time as long mm-hmm. as I can keep the deer off them um, <laughs> and rabbits as well um, the hedges in the Italian garden will make a good start on next spring um, we've already started into the rose garden on edging and what have you we will start to remove some of the roses and reduce the height of the beds mm-hmm. which is one of the projects in there secret garden um, this is very much a, a, a say with a new fence this year is very much a see what there is yeah. So this time next year, hopefully, we'll be starting to see some newer plants in there and various bits and bobs and a lot of cutting back and clearance. A lot of the views are opening up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should 
have, by, certainly by this time next year, a plan for what we're going to do with the rockery in the Cascade Garden. Okay. We've already made a start, and as you said, the cogs have started turning on some of these projects mm-hmm. just because they have to. Mm. Um, so you will see, you know, certainly within five years, a very different landscape within 10 years, a much, yeah. much more different, and then so on. 20 years time yeah. we'll be seeing that sort of all come into the fore who knows we may even have the Dahlia Garden back down around the road down around the Temple of Flora yeah it's interesting because I wonder how much you have to think about well where what will gardens be in 10 years time yeah. how much do you have to take that into account like future planning and future telling I suppose um, I, I think we all have to look at that mm. you know a gardener any gardener should always be looking mm. of what's going to happen next year you know so and what's going to happen in 10 15 20 years time yeah. certainly in somewhere like this you know a lot of the things we're going to do in my custodianship and certainly with some of the garden teams custodianship we're never going to see yeah you know but it's our you know people that are following us are going to see it i mean i the garden i was at before um was kept within a 35 year bubble and the person that i worked with and then eventually replaced had been there 30 plus years I think by the time he retired and I was cutting down trees that he planted when he first started Mm. which he understood because that was the whole vision yeah you can't just leave it so um you know and then I was planting things that in 30 40 years time somebody else is going to cut down (laughs) and so just you just have to look forward all the time last question for you is something we ask every guest who comes on and that is what plant would you take to a desert island i will stress it doesn't have to survive on the desert island some people like to challenge themselves and pick something that would survive but it's completely up to you i thought long and hard about this and i thought about all sorts of exotics and what have you and pretty little things and what have you and then i thought the practical side of things mm-hmm and then I thought practicality and beauty and I'd take a Rabinia pseudoacacia okay. a false locust grows just about anywhere copes with industrial pollution so heaven forbid that was there on the <laughs> desert island um, amazing timber hard mm-hmm. as hell um, good firewood good for building um, resistant to all sorts of rot and what have you um, flowers smell absolutely stunning Ooh. you know which is one of the things that I'm very very passionate about the scent and what have you so yeah. beautiful little pea like flowers incredibly good for bees bees absolutely love them okay. so there we go so if I've got something like that then I've got pollinators which means I can grow food which is incredibly important because otherwise I don't live very long yeah um, yeah and they throw up suckers and they just keep going wow. so I think I'd take a false locust you've ticked every single box oh, I tried to. with that one yeah because you could either build a house <laughs> yeah, and yeah. stay or you could build a boat well ahead. I'm not sure about boats quite heavy but, oh. but it might work <laughs> so you just give it a go, go. <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been so interesting to hear about the plans and we're really excited to hear you know as it progresses hear more about it and see more and I'm sure me and you will chat lots more over the next maybe 10 years who knows we'll see that'd be good
I'm Rachel Forsyth and this has been the Horticulture Week podcast. Make sure you never miss one. Subscribe or follow Horticulture Week podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. If you are interested in producing a podcast with Horticulture Week, email us at hortweek at haymarket.com. Huge thank you again to Andy and goodbye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.